This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. LFC Day Trippers. Brought to you by bookmakers.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers brought to you by bookmakers.com. It is Thursday night. We're back for a little viewer's voice. I'm your regular host, Matt. Joining me tonight, Glenn. Glenn, good to see you. Last time we saw you, you were about to make the treacherous uh, walk up the Gallagate End in Newcastle. It's been pretty good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, got to do a couple of games the last few weeks. So, um, so yeah, it's been good. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I uh, I've been off on holidays all week, so I've literally watched the game every day uh, over again. <laughs> it's it's just fantastic. Like I don't know about you, Glenn. I I think I've I think I've watched all the content now. I think I've managed to catch it all, unless some new stuff's come out in the last hour or so. Yeah, um, well, I was out at myself. Like I was in the uh, in the Kelly Dougley stand. Um, so yeah, it was it was just it was a bit surreal to be honest with you. Um, especially when it got to like sort of five, six, seven. I mean, like at that point, like I was, we weren't even celebrating. We were like laughing when the goals were going in. That's kind of like how it was. But, um, but yeah, I watched the uh, I watched the highlights later that night, and then um, watched it again the next morning. But um, I've like I've tried not to watch it too much because like I want to like still be able to watch it and like I'll let well just not get bored of it kind of thing. So um, you won't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you absolutely won't. Uh, going through, I, I picked out a couple of choice. My commentary was, I think, Jim Proudfoot and Jim Beglin, but uh, Jim Beglin had a couple of absolute bangers that uh, he said that I've noticed. One, at uh, 37 minutes, he said, I don't think it's really happening up top with the front three at the moment. Jurgen Klopp may exercise those options off the bench. I thought that was like moments before disaster sort of talk <laughs> yeah. from Beglin. And then, like, kind of what you were saying, at 70 minutes, he said, this is a nightmare for Manchester United, and it was only 4 nothing at that point. Like, yeah, it just got better. It got better and got better and got better. I mean, you were in the ground. You uh, joined the 
cast the trippers on here that were lucky enough to get there. Chris Brack was at the game with his daughter. Gab, of course, was at the game. You're now at the game. You sons of bitches. <laughs> is what I mean. It's it's incredible, Glenn. I mean, like it has to feel good coming out, like walking away from the ground, knowing that you were at a game that's going to be talked about for decades, right? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, like uh, when I was coming out of the ground, I just I was just smiling the whole time. Just honestly, just couldn't. It was just kind of like trying to like take it in, kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it, it was. Just, I mean, I actually looked back earlier on today just to kind of like see sort of like when the goals went in, that kind of thing, because. I mean, to be honest, like the first half, obviously, it, it there wasn't much in it. Let's be honest. Um, obviously, uh, the first goal was a great goal. Um, you know, the the way to pass from from Robbo, and then that little touch inside from from Cody, just to open up the goal, and then it was a great finish. Um, but but yeah, like, I mean, if we're being really honest, like the first half, there wasn't much in it, and then second half, I think. Um, Obviously, getting that second goal so early on, obviously, it probably just settled the nerves more than anything, really. Um, and then I think the third came quite quick after that. The third was brilliant. I think like the third was probably like like the highlight for me, just because of like Salah putting Martinez on his arse, and then the finish from Gakpo. Like where I was sitting, like I was say I was in the uh, lower Kenny Dalglish, but I was up towards the Anfield Road end, so. It wasn't until I seen the goal back on TV that I could really appreciate how good a finish it was from Gakpo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when the third went in, that was like a big let off in the grounds, like of uh, of emotion. And then I think there was maybe about 15, 20 minutes between the third and the fourth. And then once the fourth went in, like they just folded like a pack of cards. Like it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think you're bang on like the, the timing of the goals, it couldn't really be better. I mean, it's like two and a half minutes before halftime. It really kind of settles the first half. I want to come back and talk about that afterwards. Cause some of the narrative that you've heard after the fact is I find it to be a bit revisionist about how United played in the first half, but to come back out of the second half score 88 seconds after the restart and three minutes and 27 seconds later, like they, they just, they were completely out on their feet. And from there, like three nil, I, I would have been happy to take 3-0, you know? That's all the Liverpool fans, you think, would have been happy to just settle on a 3-0, like kind of how we dealt with the second half at Old Trafford. Like after we made it five, we just put it into first gear. Nobody get hurt, you know? Let's not stretch ourselves. But yeah, these boys, they look like they wanted the goals. And I mean, the crowd after everyone, you know, we want six, we want seven, we want eight. And yeah. like they just kept going for it. Um, I mean, you mentioned the third goal. I, I don't know what is better for me about the third goal. Like you mentioned, Gakpo's finish is unreal. It's unreal. Just he knows exactly where it is. I heard one of the one of the post-match shows talking about it with Darwin's uh, second goal, his header, that you don't really need to look where the goal is. You know where the goal is. It doesn't move. And it felt like that with Gakpo. But like cool as ice afterwards, you know, like he's right there. He basically finishes, scores the goal, and he's right at the edge of the cop, and you get those thousands of people cheering for you and just a little salute and cool as can be. I mean, what a customer. But the dribble by Mo Salah and the timing of the pass, like yeah. after the second time he sits Lisandro Martinez down, which to be granted isn't a very far way to go down for him, but as he's getting up the second time, like Mo passes on like a half beat almost. It's kind of the same as what Robbo did for the first for the first goal, where he passed it like a little late or a little too soon, but it was actually perfect. And it just sliced right through the defense. 
so, so clinical from Liverpool and as good going forward for Liverpool as United were bad at the back. Because this yeah. one, uh, I don't know if you watched the, uh, what is it, the Sonos from every angle. This was the goal that they picked from the game where they showed it right. from a hundred different angles. And Anthony embarrasses himself. Like yeah, he, tries, yeah. he tries to foul Cody Gakpo. He's nowhere near strong enough to tackle Cody Gakpo. Gakpo lays the ball off to Salah. And then he just stops. He just, he doesn't track back at all. And Gakpo just puts it into road gear and starts flying down. And there's one angle where you can see Gakpo's probably, oh, five, 10 yards outside of the United box. Martinez is in the process of being twisted inside and out by Mo Salah. Luke Shaw is in absolute no man's land nowhere. And De Gea is pointing and yelling at Luke Shaw to look at Gakpo. Like he saw it coming before pretty much anybody else did. Absolute, absolute brilliance. Absolute brilliance. I'm telling you, I, I'm so fired up. I could have done, I could have done a full-time show every single day this week <laughs> watching this game so, so much. Um, were United as bad in the ground as they were on TV? I mean, like certainly second half, like once the uh I think the fourth was like was the killer really, because um I mean, I think the fourth goal is it it's the one that comes from the corner, isn't it? Or or I know, I know there was a couple of goals which were like almost identical in terms of United were on the attack and then basically the play broke down and we hit them on the counter. But no, I think like, because the thing is like, I mean, we know more than anyone, like, although obviously 3-0 is a great position to be in, you're never 100% secure at three. So um, once we got the fourth and I think like everyone in the ground kind of like, it was like a, a puff out of the cheeks as in like to say like, yeah, like we know it's done now. And then, obviously, like, if you were a United fan, you'd think at 4-0, right, let's just shut up yeah. shop and we'll yeah. just take our medicine and go. But they just, honestly, like, they then, like, do you know what it was? Like, I think it's one of these things that, like, you only get when you're in the ground, maybe, but, like, you, you can sense whenever, like, other goals are coming, more so than when you're on watching on TV. But, like, I definitely got the feeling that, like, once we got the fourth, that wasn't going to be the end of it. Like, as I say, they, they did, they just... They completely folded, and uh, I mean, and, and the fans did as well because you know they start like they were, they were filing out in their droves. Like if you look at the uh, how many fans there were at full time, I mean, the, to say there was half in there would be being kind to them. So I mean, yeah. the fans like you know that's the like the funny one of the funny things is like you know the the players got absolutely hammered for you know so for chucking the towel in, and obviously rightly so. But look at the away end, look how many fans walked out. You know they were just as bad, but. Um, but yeah, like you, you could just tell that like more were coming. And again, like I've not watched the match in full. I've only watched sort of highlights back. But like when I was watching the highlights, because obviously there were so many goals in the second half, they missed out other things that like, I mean, Kanate, he almost scored a header yeah. um, from, a, I don't know, it was a corner or a free kick. Um, and then Jota right at the end, um, he probably should have done better. So, I mean, not that I'm saying, oh, I'm not happy with it being seven, but it could easily have been eight or nine. Like, there were other chances there for us um, as well. But, um, but yeah, like, you could just, you just knew that, like, goals were coming. It, it was a, it was a great feeling, especially to have against them lot. Yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, it's uh, the old phrase, if you could bottle it, this is, 
this is one of those situations where this absolutely fits. Uh, you mentioned the Kanate header. So, like I said, I, I watched the first half. I've watched the whole game four times back since. But the, <laughs> this last time this morning watching it, I really tried to pay attention to the first half because what you're hearing is like, well, the goal came against the run of play and Manchester United were the better team in the first half. And, you know, trying to make it seem like we kind of smash and grabbed them. So I was really paying attention to it. And, I mean, for the first 20 minutes, we are battering them. Yeah. battering them like I think I saw a stat that the first six of Casemiro's touches were turnovers or the first six of his passes were straight to Liverpool players so I was kind of marking down the number of times we won the ball back and in the first 15 minutes we won the ball back immediately after losing it about 15 times like our press was just like bang 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 we were all over them uh I mean Anthony has his little curling tame effort that Allison really should have yeah. saved at about nine minutes like I'd that was a Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale style save where like, why did you make it look that like, whoa, <laughs> for TV? Like he should have just held on to it. But there wasn't really much other than that. But I mean, Harvey and Mo, Harvey has a shot in the second minute. Uh, Harvey and Darwin have a nice little interchange. Darwin just has a too, too heavy of a touch on his back heel for Harvey a few minutes later. Mo has a shot that goes over the bar in the 13th minute after Fabinho does really good work. 15th minute, Henderson puts a loopy back post cross. Trent loops it back over, and Harvey absolutely shanks it with his left foot standing on the penalty spot. Uh, Mo and Darwin somehow managed to keep the ball from going out the end line a couple minutes after that. It falls to Hendo. His shot's blocked. That's where him and Darwin, Darwin knows he's coming from offside. He eventually touches it. It's offside. Like for the first 20 minutes, we were just all over them. And then we had a spell from about 25 to 35 where we couldn't get the ball back off of United, but they couldn't get the ball into our box. And the biggest thing I've taken away from the last time I watched that game is Ibu Kanade had a really good game. Like, yeah, when United is in their ascendancy, and I employ, if you've got the ability to go back and watch it, just kind of watch that 25 minutes to when we score the first goal, when United is taking the game to us. And yeah, they, they have the ball, they have possession, they're, you know, they're playing nice passes in midfield, our midfield's a bit transparent at that point, but anytime they get near the box, Ibu Kanate's head or foot is there, and it's just out, 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 and because we couldn't get the ball, they were coming back on us, so it felt like pressure, but they didn't really have a lot of clear sights at goal, I mean, Bruno Fernandez has a back post header, Trent falls asleep, Darwin's a little lazy getting out and shutting down the cross from Dalot. Probably should be on target. You'd like to think Allison would save that. And then the only other one of note really was uh, Luke Shaw, who is in acres of space when he plays the ball to Marcus Rashford, who slips in between Van Dyke <clears throat> and Robertson. And he should do better. You would expect him to do better in the end. It, it's an extremely tame, tame chance. I came out of my rewatching of the first half thinking we had the better chances up until we scored. The chances that either team had I think we had the better chances, actually. Like, Harvey Elliott has the ball fall to him on the volley from 12 yards out, and he just absolutely spoons it up into the air. So, like, this is why like, I don't really buy into it that United were taking the game to us by any stretch of the imagination. They really weren't endangering our goal at all. No, they weren't. Like, I think sort of the best way to describe it is they had a couple of moments. Like, um, there's no doubt in the Fernandez one was a good opportunity, but... When I looked at the highlights, there's an angle from behind the goal, and I, I'm, I would say I'm confident Allison had it covered. Um, 
don't get me wrong, it was it was a good effort. Um, the Rashford one again. Um, obviously you can't deny he was in a great position. It was one of them ones though, like because obviously nothing came of it. I don't know if he was on side or not. It probably might it might have been tight. I'm not too sure. Again, from where I was sitting, like it, it probably wasn't the, the best angle, but um, no, like I agree. Like sort of for the first twenty twenty five minutes, like we we completely dominated the game without uh, creating anything like really clear cut. You know, we we kept United penned in their own half. Um, you know, we played well, like definitely. Um, but as I say, there wasn't the only sort of real clear cut one I thought was. Um, there was one. There was a ball fired across the box, and uh, Darwin actually gets to it first. But actually, fair play to Martinez. He actually put in an unbelievable block. Because yeah. Um, yeah, from like from where I was sitting, like I had the perfect view. I could see it coming across, and I thought goal. And then just somehow, he um, he got his foot to it. But um, but yeah, I think like again, like with, with things like this, like if the match had a finish, maybe like three or four nil, like you wouldn't have this much kind of like revisionism. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like they have to kind of like cling to something because it was so bad in the end. Um, and like, look, like you go through any match and look at any scoreline, teams are always going to have chances. Do you know what I mean? Like no matter whether it's four or five or six, the other team will always have one or two opportunities. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like, as I say, I, I, the first half, like, you know, we started off really well. United, as you would expect, you know, they are a decent team. They are they are doing well this season. They did come into it. They had a, a spell, you know, again, you're, you're trying to like sort of, I'm, I'm being kind of even saying that, like probably, um, you, they just came back into the game, made it a bit more competitive. They had a, a couple of chances, but um, yeah, they, they definitely weren't uh, on top or, you know, I, I know Neville said he thought United were the better team. Like, they were they were definitely not the better team. I think he's again he, he's just sort of thinking of them sort of two moments, and he's kind of like topping them up in his head where it's like Liverpool scored one, but we had two really good chances. So in theory, we probably were the better team. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you know, as you say, we dominated the first twenty twenty five minutes. Yes, we probably didn't create anything really clear cut, but you know, you could tell we were de- definitely the better team. United came into it the second part of the half, but again, that, that that's a, that's as much as it was. It wasn't like they then were on top or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, as I say, I think sort of this the whole reason it it gets talked about in this way is because it's like it was so bad for them in the end. They've got to almost like cling to something, and that tends to be what they're talking about is you know this 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 first half that you know they were the better team, which is it is nonsense. Yeah. And if anything, I took out of the first half until the goal, United's back five were actually having a really good game. Like Lisandro Martinez was getting in the way of a lot. Like Luke Shaw, <laughs> he ends up picking up and totting up a lot of fouls. And I mean, I thought the referee just had an absolute stinker of a game. But until the goal, and even after the goal, because Martinez and Shaw aren't really at fault for the goal, it's all Dallow, Fred, and Varan all kind of being switched off for it. But up until that, United's defense had done everything. Like you you mentioned, like that header that Lisandro throws in against Darwin. Like that's a brave header. Like that's the sort of thing you're watching your five foot three inch tall center half going up against <laughs> our six four striker. And you know, if if that's your guy, you're like, yeah, you know, putting your head where it hurts, sort of thing, like throwing your body on the line. And it just fell apart. Like they just 
they completely, completely capitulated. And I'm not one for reading in on body language or anything like that. So I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you why. I, I don't read Manchester United apologies on Twitter after the game or anything <laughs> like that. But I mean, if there's a mad scientist that can take the first half from last year's Old Trafford and the second half from this year's Anfield game, <laughs> meld them together. Because I mean... It's about the funnest, with the exception, I would say for me, with the exception of the Barcelona second half, just because of the enormity of the situation and what it meant and what it ended up meaning for us with that season, just as a 45 minutes of football alone, I don't know if I've ever seen or ever will see a more enjoyable 45 minutes of football. Yeah, definitely. Every one of our players was absolutely in their pomp. So I don't know if it came, like if you got the murmurings through the crowd, but I thought Darwin Nunez was really off it in the first half. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. I, I would say, I kept saying to my friend who I was sitting beside, like, I just thought he was like very, I mean, he was quiet, but like the thing that surprised me the most about him was like, obviously United is our is our biggest game of the season. I know probably, you know, Scousers would, would say Everton, but um certainly in, t- in terms of the context of like the the two teams like Liverpool Man United is, is always going to be the bigger game because of the size of the clubs and I was just thinking like this is the kind of game he should be really fired up for and I was saying to my friends like I wonder like after what happened against Palace have we kind of like has he gone too far the other way where we've kind of like you know obviously we had to tell him you know, he needs to like sort of temper his aggression but I was thinking Thank I wonder you. Has Thank it- you. Just yeah, yeah. I was thinking, has it gone too much? Because, you know, against United, that's like the one game where you want to see people get stuck in, you know, because, you know, there's sometimes in the grounds, like I've been there before, where like if someone puts in like a crunching tackle or it's like a big 50 50, sometimes that gets as big a cheer as a goal, yeah. you know, because it's just all about, you know, like the intensity. And yeah, like the first half, he just, he didn't really seem to have any of it, you know, he, he was, he was very quiet. Like I say, he had that chance that um, that Martinez cleared, but um, but yeah, no, definitely he, he was he was very quiet in, in that first half. I mean, even the second. I mean, like obviously he scored the two goals, but I think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He was playing in a different way to what we were kind of expecting, certainly based on what we've seen at the very start of the season, where it was kind of like everything was like a hundred mile an hour, and like he was kind of like getting himself involved in everything. Whereas like now, I suppose like the the best way to describe it is he's probably bit like more disciplined in, in how he goes about his job, which I suppose in theory is 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 better. But it's just especially in these kind of games where you know it's against a team that you really hate you'd love to see players like proper fired up and proper getting stuck into it so yeah as i say that that's what i kept saying to my friend i just i wondered you know has he gone maybe too far the other way but um but yeah we'll we'll, we'll see how that pans out yeah well it's i i said at halftime like you know breaks for halftime i get into a telegram chat with all the fellas you know chatting back and forth and somebody said like darwin needs a boot up the hole mm. and i'd say i was i was of the belief you know kind of like jim Began was saying of like 
we we now have options off the bench. Like we don't just have to persist. Like if Darwin comes out, because to me it looked like he didn't really want to run. And I was wondering, is like, is the shoulder hurting that he doesn't have that burst? Like there was a moment about 38 minutes or something like that, that Gakpo overplayed a pass to him and he just threw his hands up in the air. And Andy Robbo comes out of nowhere and wins a free kick from United because he didn't give up on the ball. He kept trying because that's our Andy Robbo. I mean, what a <laughs> what an absolute game for him. And I mean, second half, it seemed like he received that kick in the hole because he comes out and a couple minutes later, it's two nothing. But when you watch it, like he's making the runs, he's being a nuisance. And like, I don't know, I think it might've been Monday night football talking about how United lined up with their man marking system and showing the effects that Darwin occupying both of their center halves because they're just terrified of his pace, you know, and his strength. And then Gakpo will go in the middle and he'll drop deep and because they're trying to man Marcus, all of a sudden United's back four are all pulled wonky because our players are, you know, kind of interchangeable in a sense. And they're moving around and all over the place. And But I mean, everything was good. Like, I, I, I have a tough time finding fault with anything in the second half. Like, I have an issue with the fact that Luke Shaw wasn't called for a foul on, uh, I think it was Mo running through. He's the last defender. He just pulls him down. Like, it just felt like an absolute pity call from him. Um, I think, though. For me, it's going to go back. I believe it's the first goal. I have to mention this because I noticed it and I absolutely loved it. In the first half, just before they put the ball in the back of the net from the free kick, Casemiro offside. About a minute before that, the play gets switched from left to right. Bruno Fernandez plays this big sweeping crossfield ball. And Anthony does a little tuck behind the back, <laughs> you know, ball stop. And then they end up getting a free kick. And then they score from the free kick. And then it's offside. And United doesn't touch the ball again until they're pulling it out of the back of their net. <laughs> From when Casemiro's ruled offside, we controlled the ball for, I think it's 65 or 70 seconds. They don't touch the ball and bang, the ball's right in the back of their net. And I was like, that's just absolutely perfect that there's Anthony, their little peroxide hair, more expensive than Darwin Nunez signing that only has one move, which is cut in and curl it on his left. He scored tonight. You want to know how he scored tonight? He cut in and he curled it on his left into the top <laughs> corner. He's a one-trick pony. Oh, he's got two tricks now. He can stop the ball with this little behind-the-leg thing. I thought it was so great that instead of them scoring from that play, we scored from that play. Just, ah, fantastic. Um, I, I could wax lyrical about this all night, but I'm sure Gav wouldn't appreciate it, and you might have better things to do. Who, uh, <laughs> who, was, who was the best and who was the worst? Which Liverpool player do you think had the best game? Which United player was the worst? Oh, well, I mean, start with the United, I think. I mean, it's it probably, it's harder to choose who wasn't really, isn't it? When, you, when you're thinking about it from that point of view. I mean, obviously Fernandez, but I think like with Fernandez, that's almost more about like the other stuff as opposed to his actual play. Do you know what I mean? I think honestly, I think in terms of like, if you're just looking at it as like his, uh, his actual performance in terms of the game, probably Anthony. Um, and I know obviously you, you, you mentioned him there, but... Um, I know he's a young player, so obviously he's got a lot to learn. But I just think like his level of naivety is is quite scary at the minute. In terms of he reminds when I say he reminds me of Ronaldo, I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be Ronaldo. But what I mean is, is like the one thing Ronaldo obviously got a lot of stick for when he first came to United was like he seemed more interested in kind of the tricks and that kind of thing. And that's exactly the impression I get with Anthony. You know, he's. Uh, Obviously, it remains to be seen how he'll, he'll turn out, but um, but yeah, I thought he was awful. Um, 
like you, you hear United, you know, former United players on the TV all the time talking about when you go to Anfield, there's certain things you have to do at Anfield that you, you wouldn't normally do anywhere else. And like with Anthony, like up against Robu, like he clearly just either didn't get the memo or he got the memo and didn't read it because he was just completely nowhere. And like um, you touched on it before around like the first goal, like where was he? Because that all comes about because Dallow gets forced to come out and press Robbo, which leaves Fred as the fullback. Who you know, obviously that he like slips on his arse oh, wow. as well. Yeah, <laughs> oh. but um, yeah, no, I would say probably Anthony. He was terrible. And then for us, like I'd probably go with Salah. Just. I think, like, honestly, I think with Salah, like, you get a different appreciation watching him in real life, like, like in the pitch, because the speed at which he can dribble with the ball is just ridiculous. There's not many players, like, who can run with the ball as quick as what he can. And, like, the uh, the third goal all comes from, from that exactly. You know, um, like, Darwin, for instance, like, he's more likely to knock the ball 10 yards down the line and run past the defender yeah. because of his speed, whereas, like, with with uh, with Mo, like, he'll dribble past you and do it at speed. And I say that third goal, it all comes from him putting Martinez on his arse. Oh. And then the weight of pass for Gakpo was just, was unreal. And then, obviously, the his second or fourth, like, yeah, it might be a bit fortuitous how the ball broke to him. But, like, for him to just, like, wallop that with his right foot as hit. well. What a Yeah, I, that was, like, that was, like, such a, like, oh, fuck you lot kind of thing, I thought. Because, like, you would have said, like, he had time to take a touch and he could have just placed it in the corner. But he was just, like, nah, like, you lot are shite. I'm just going to fucking whack this in. And, like, he absolutely smashed it in as well. So... I'd, um, yeah, I'd probably go with Mo. I just thought like it was, uh, he, he was good. It's not just the fact he scored the two goals. It was, uh, it was everything else about him. He was just brilliant. Yeah, he really, he really had to look about him. I've noticed kind of the opposite feel with Salah sometimes earlier this season, where he got that ball and he kind of fronted up his, you know, his center half and fullback that are doubling up on him. And you can see everybody knows that he's going to try to do a quick little, you know, one, two, three. <clears throat> dribble and he just loses it and man like he was on it like from from just about minute one like he had one early uh that was going towards the Annie Road in the first half where Fred uh, he just has a bit of a tough touch and gets a ball from Darwin or Gakpo to set him through the channel the left side of the box and it comes off his thigh it's a little bit heavy he's never going to get there and Fred kind of beats him to it and he turned around and to me I, again, I've watched it so many times now but <laughs> I look at the smile on his face and I'm like uh oh like, I know what happens, obviously, but even when I watched it the first time live of like, there's a certain smile that Mo Salah has where he's like, that's okay. That's okay. You, yeah. you won this one. We're two and a half minutes into a 90-minute game. Like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And he got him. I mean, that's the the strike for the strike for Salah's fourth. Like, if Andy Robertson could hit a ball 10% as well with his right foot as Mo Salah hit that, he'd have 25 goals a season for Liverpool. Like, he, I I think, like, Kanate's header was the most glaring miss of the whole game for both teams. I don't know how he missed. It's a beautiful header. It should have just absolutely ripped the back of the net off. And the one where I put this into our Telegram group, I absolutely love this moment of the game. It's Robbo's second chance on his right foot. 
But Harvey Elliott does so good. It's just before, if you're going to watch the game, it's just before Garnacho and McTominay come on. They show those two dummies on the sideline. And then they cut back. And Harvey Elliott, who I thought played spectacularly in this game, his pressing in the second half was unbelievable. He was all over the place. He was like a man possessed. Harvey goes, he wins the ball back, and he makes a pass that takes, I believe, four United players out, just straight ahead of him, right through four United defenders, right to Gakpo, who's basically standing on the penalty spot. Gakpo holds three guys off of his back, lays the ball off to, of all people, Robertson on his right foot. Like <laughs> It was such a great move from us, from kind of our, unsung, you know, some of our unsung players, more unsung players, the newer guys, you know, Harvey Elliott being young, Cody Gakpo being new, and like anybody else. If it's Darwin, he smashes that in. Henderson probably puts that in. Like, uh, But for me, uh, to answer my own question, I think the worst player on the pitch was Casemiro. I, I think Casemiro was brutal. I didn't it, know he was on the pitch. Oh, yeah, you, I can understand how you wouldn't have noticed him in the first half because he was completely anonymous. And you can, I, I don't have the statistics to back this up. I'm thinking you could probably track his number of touches on the ball and his number of completed passes with that moment in the first half where United played well. Because it's about the only time that he kind of got on the ball and dictated the game. But like, as Carragher broke it down on Monday Night Football, that how they tried to man mark our midfield, Casemiro, who has won everything, that has a, a garage full of Champions League winners medals, was marking Harvey Elliott, a much maligned 19-year-old amongst our own <laughs> fan base. And Harvey gave him the absolute, absolute runaround in that game. And it doesn't make Harvey the best player on the pitch, but it makes Casemiro the worst player on the pitch because he's, he has to win that battle. Like, he has to have enough nous about him, enough experience about him to know how to handle this kid. But you watch the spaces that Elliot picks up. Like, the, we talked about this a lot at the start of last season before Elliot picked up his injury against Leeds of how promising those little triangles look between Trent, Harvey, and Mo. And they really came through in this game of they just playing these little triangles and just Harvey dropping into space and making that extra pass available and then knocking it long and then getting on his bike and just running down the field. I, I thought he was great. And he was being marked by Casemiro. So he was the absolute, <laughs> the absolute dud. Uh, to me, I'm pretty sure I was pretty hammered on the full-time Reds after the game. So I'm not entirely sure if my memory is correct. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick with who I said for my man of the match. Then I thought Cody Gakpo was yeah, I was. thought he was so, so strong. And it seemed to me that we have kind of tweaked some of our build-up play coming out from the back where it's not all to feet because we now know in Darwin Nunez and especially in Cody Gakpo that we can just loop a ball over the other team's midfield and Gakpo will nod it down to Salah, who will then do a one-two at Trent or just pass it right back to Gakpo, who's done the header and has turned and he's off and on, he's on his bike like, it's I I was so impressed with him. Like I've been seeing the growth from him since he first came into the team. And now he's got a couple of goals under his belt. And the biggest thing, which we were all having issues with in January in his first couple of starts, is where the hell does this guy play? Yeah. And I think it's pretty obvious now that like Jurgen Klopp, Pep Linders, the scouting department, all those guys, they knew the answer to the question of where's Cody Gakpo gonna play. Yeah, I, like I think the first show I done like it, um, we did we talked about kind of like where do we see him fitting in, um, like I'll be honest, like I was at, at back then 
I was very much of the mindset, no, like I would rather have Nunes through the middle and have him playing on the wing. And the reason behind that was just because, like, I kind of touched on this earlier, is like, I think when Nunes is through the middle of the pitch, he's in, he's involved in the game a lot more. And that's like, I want him to be involved in the game as much as possible. But um, to be fair, like Gakpo, like he, he plays that position so well. Um, like he's kind of got like everything in terms of like, he's got the physique, you, he's a big lad, he's strong, he's quick. But the be- like the other thing as well is, is like, he never gives the ball away, does he? Like when the ball's fired into his feet, like his, his control's so good. And I know it's, it sounds cliche, like, but it's kind of like what you would expect from like a Dutch player, isn't it? But um, well, the last the last one we had that did it was Ginny Wijnaldum, and he looks an awful lot like tall Ginny Wijnaldum when he <laughs> to shield the ball with his body so effectively because he's got big legs. Like you got to think it's easy for yeah. a defender to nip in when you're that tall. Like he's not a squat guy, but fuck, he's strong. Yeah, but I think like the the, the key thing for like us going forwards, and certainly in terms of like the attack like it's the fluidity and like in the position because like the first goal is like a perfect example like obviously Gakpo he's out on the left wing for the first goal and cuts inside finds the corner and Nunes he's obviously in the middle occupying the center half so like yes like the majority of the time he is going to take up that central position but I think like it's really key that you know because we've done this when we were at our best with uh, Bobby Salah and uh, and Mane their movement was, was so good that they were popping up at different areas of the pitch. Yeah. So I think like for us going forward, you know, if, if um obviously we've still got players to come back from injury and um and get back to, to full form. But certainly with those three at the minute, like you're not gonna be changing them. Yeah, you know, they're gonna be our, our, our three first choice, you would think, sort of going forward. Um but I just think like the, the fluidity and the movement is, is something that's really key. Is if we can maintain that, then I think um I think we're on to a winner. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, maintaining, building on, moving forward kind of brings us into our next topic of, and I think you were, yeah, I think you were on the show I did uh, after Everton, where I kind of asked the question of like, <laughs> have, have we turned a corner? Or is this a false dawn? Or, you know, do we just have to build on it? And I was of the belief that we turned a corner because I like the performance that we put in in that Everton game. And I've liked the performances that we put in in every game with the 45 minutes of the second half against Real Madrid excluded. Yeah. You know, that that was a capitulation on our part. It was an absolute collective just meltdown that we had. If you just look at the league or even look at the first half of the Madrid game, we're not making we're not making suicidal errors. Like we're ideating those errors, but we're not following through with them. So like, you know, there was a couple like Allison slips and Bruno Fernandez tries to buy a penalty. If Bruno Fernandez had actual balls about him, he leaves his foot in there and he gets a penalty. But he <laughs> dives over Allison and avoids contact and therefore does not get a penalty. Like it's little things like that that you know going ooh sort of thing like even before their goal that was chopped off in the first half of like set pieces, you know, We've given up some goals from set pieces. Like, let's not do this now. And, I mean, it was dead obvious. I I don't know the angle you were at in the ground, but watching it on TV, there was not even a minor palpitation for me when that ball hit the back of the net. He was miles offside. <laughs> miles offside. But that just goes to show that our, our back line, they're, they're on the same wavelength. 
you know, we're not getting pulled out of shape so that our high line isn't working because we know how we play. We play a high line on set pieces. We play a high line out of possession. And that stuff's all working now. We've stopped just kicking the ball against opposition players into our own net. Like we stopped it. We've got five league clean sheets in a row. Like I'm feeling very good about my saying, have we turned a corner after Everton? Because it's looking to me, if you look at the form table, a nil-nil draw against Crystal Palace, notwithstanding four wins and a draw. Corner turn, Glenn? I'm like, am I am I still crazy? No, I mean, like, I think you've got to, like, take it in context of, like, this season. So if you look at sort of, like, the previous five results, like, I don't know all of them off the top, off the top of my head, but obviously we got beat by Brighton twice. Um, we got beat by Wolves. Um, so there's, you know, that, there's them, th- them three games there, and we were pretty poor in all three of them. Um, so I think in the context of this season, like yes, I think we have, but are we back to the Liverpool that we we know and love from kind of like the last three four years? Like no, I wouldn't go that far yet. Um, again, I think like obviously the the key thing for us in this run has been like the results, and obviously like that's always going to be the most important thing. Like you know, I take a scrappy one nil win every weekend, um, because it's the three points is all that matters, but. I think if you look through the 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 last three four games, um, even the ones that we've won, I, I obviously take the United game aside because obviously that was, I'm not not that I'm taking any away from us, but it was a freak result. Yeah. Um, but um, like the Wolves game, for instance, um, you know we were really poor in that first half. We didn't look like scoring. Obviously, you give the lads credit for turning it around the second half. The Palace game, obviously, like that was. That was hard to watch that ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no two ways about that. Um, and then to be fair, even the Newcastle game, like the Newcastle game, is a funny one because, um, you know, they started the game really well. We got them two goals, and then obviously the the sending off just kind of like finished the game as a contest. Even at ten men, like we weren't, you know, we obviously we didn't run away with it. You know, obviously it finished two 0 So I think it's um, obviously like to to win. To win four games and uh, and draw one with the five clean sheets, like yeah, you're never going to complain about that. But I think you know, whenever you hear people talking about are Liverpool back, I always get the feeling people are talking about that in the context of are they going to be like what we were last season? Yeah, and I just think like there's no point in thinking about that. Like for us, our goal this season is like if you offer me fourth position right now, I'd bite your yeah. hand off for yeah. it. Um, I don't see us going on a, a ten-game winning run. Um, don't get me wrong; I, I'd love to be proved wrong, but um, despite the good results we've had in the last four or five games, it's I'm still not sitting here thinking, "Oh yeah, we're going to go on and, and win the next five or six. Certainly not with the fixtures that we've got anyway. But um, but yeah, we have definitely turned a corner in terms of like this season. But like I said before, are we the are we back to the Liverpool that we we know and love? No, we're we're not there yet. Yeah, it's I don't I don't even know if we'll ever be there again, and I don't know if that's even the goal. Like I I think because the team has to evolve, and I mean I I'm not sure about you, but I'm certainly we did a show about it the other week about how we're all just presuming that Bellingham is coming to Liverpool. <laughs> that first great Klopp team, it did not have a player like that in its midfield. It just didn't. So it can't, like, a team that has Jude Bellingham in its midfield can't play like a team that has Jordan Henderson and Ginny Wijnaldum in their midfield because they're different types of players. 
And I love what Ginny and Jordan gave and are still giving to the team. Fabulous. And all the great times we've had with them together. But like Darwin's a different player than Sadio Mane. Gakpo's a different player than Bobby Firmino. Mo Salah is a fucking legend. I he's he's honestly he's a legend for this football club. It's I I think he's going to sign another contract after this one, and he's going to end up probably second or third in our all time goal scoring list. Like we're we've like I I'm sure if you go back and watch some of the dreadful full time red shows I were on after we were terrible, I'm sure at some point I was furious <laughs> with Mo Salah, and he's got 22 goals. Like he's got yeah, 22 yeah. goals. Again, you know, he just keeps ticking over every year. It's too, like, and there's still what 14, 15 games to play for us. Yeah, like, like just like on that point about Salah is like, I've heard so many people saying like, oh, like, you know, Salah, he's not even really been at the races this season. Like, probably Liverpool fans would probably agree with that. But then you think he scored what twenty two goals this season, and he's like, let's just say he's been mediocre. But yet with all what Rashford has he scored maybe 25, 26, something like that, and yet he's like player of the season. Yeah. Like and I think that just goes to show you like the levels of like Mo Salah. Like, I don't think he's ever got the respect, like certainly from like the media that like he should get. Um just purely for the fact of like he was in the Premier League, he he went away, he's came back, and for him to come back and to do what he's done is just absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, like say just on this season alone, like for him to be having the let for him to be having like a mediocre season scoring twenty two goals at this stage, and yet the so called player of the seasons when he got maybe four or five goals more, like just tells you everything, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and it feels like it feels like because if we're being honest, like judging by Mo Salah Liverpool standards, since he came back from the Cup of Nations last year. He's not been at the level we expect him to be at. Like if, because he was so, like he was the best player in the world before he went to the AFCON last season. Just, I would say almost without question, he was unreal, unreal. That goal against City is one of the most poetically beautiful pieces of sport you'll ever, ever see. And then to go and do it again the next week against Watford, just fantastic. But since he's been back, he's just been off a little bit. And this is another one of those moments where, again, I'm the eternal optimist here. So it just feels like something is right with Mo again now. Like, you know, whether it's just having more settled team around him or like he's getting to know, you know, the other guys in the front line just that little bit better or, you know, the, the uncertainty about Bobby Firmino's future. Now that's cleared up. Like, it seems like I'm putting this out here. I'm in a fantasy league with a fair number of people in this chat. I'm sticking with my Mo Salah captain this weekend because I think, I just think he's going to push on for us. Like he's going to do what he did in 2021 when we just needed the odd goal here and there to get us over the line. I don't think we're in quite as dire straits. We're in much better straits. Luis Diaz might make a shock return to the bench against Bournemouth. I, yeah, I think that's crazy with a two week international break coming up, but there's reports out of Colombia that he could be available for Liverpool at the weekend. You know, he was maybe our most informed attacking option before he picked up his injury sort of thing. Like, we're in, we're in a pretty good state going forward. And I think Mo Salah is going to be the one to just drive that along. And if defenses are less focused on double or triple teaming up on Mo Salah, because all of a sudden, well, that guy scored two against United and that guy scored two against United. It's just the spaces become, they open all up and it all yeah. looks good. Um, so we got two games left before the international break. Away to Brighton, early kickoff, 12.30 on Saturday. 
And then the return leg against Real Madrid in midweek. How you feeling about the two games before the break? Well, like obviously the for for Saturday, like no one likes Saturday twelve like Saturday twelve thirties do they like obviously we know how much Klopp hates them, but obviously we've not had a midweek game um this week. But um yeah, like the game sort of like after you've just like thrashed someone is so big because if we go out and like put in like a nil nil or get beat one nil, like that that result against United gets completely forgotten about. It was like the uh, the Forest game earlier in the season. I think we had beaten City the week before yeah. and then went to Forest and we were absolutely dreadful. Duff. I do think we have got over that now in terms of like the inconsistency. Obviously, our recent results kind of prove that to a certain extent. But um, but no, like on paper, you would be saying like Saturday is the perfect game for us to be playing. Like I know obviously Bournemouth, they ran Arsenal close last week, but they've been in pretty bad form um of late so um and like our record against bournemouth is is really really good so um what was the score in the last time we played bournemouth let's just say it was more than against oh. united. <laughs> you know, more than against united and that's that's saying something that's but i mean i i, I agree like if you said we walk out of there with a one nil or a two nil done just oh yeah just, every day of the week yeah those three points you know like it's these old cliches of like we're the first kickoff of the weekend this, I, I believe a win puts us level on Spurs. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's a lot of pressure on Spurs who have had a horrible couple of weeks. I mean, out of the cup, lost in the league, the Wolves, out of the out of the Champions League. Like, it's like the wheels feel like they're starting to come off down, a, down in North London, which is fantastic for us. But like, any old win, any three points, just get it on the board. But at the same time, I mean, Robert McGuire, like, good use of emojis. It feels like the train is coming. I mean, I would like to think that. Like, build build on this 7-0. Don't just let it be a blip that you have to look back and go, oh, yeah, you know, season 22-23, that was terrible. We ended up finishing fifth or sixth. But you remember, <laughs> you know, we beat United. Like, how, how much less fondly you'd look back on the Allison goal if we'd finished fifth? Yeah, yeah. You know, it just doesn't quite mean as much if you don't get something from it at the end. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to do predictions or anything like that because I've never even come within plus or minus three goals on it. But, <laughs> uh, like, are you confident in the game? Because I think we're going to win. Like, I'm confident yeah, no, I, that we're going to go there because I think Bournemouth are trash. Yeah, no, I, I am confident. Like, I, I think, like, sometimes, like, you can kind of almost, like, talk yourself out of confidence because like of the third of the things that i've mentioned about it you know being a saturday 12 30 obviously being the other end of the country all them kind of things you can sort of make it sound more difficult in your head than what it's than what it should be so yeah like as i say we've just got to like remember like we're on a really good run at the minute we've obviously just hammered united seven nil so like we need to be going there and kind of like it's almost like we need to put down like a, a statement, especially to the other teams who are around us going for fourth. Like if we can go there, and yes, don't get me wrong, like if I was offered a an own goal in the 95th minute for us to win it, I would 100% take it. But if we were to go there and back that up with like a 3-0, a three nil, a 4-1, something like that, then I think the likes of uh, Spurs and Newcastle especially, they'd be looking at thinking, oh shit, these ones are they're really yeah. back. Because... Like you, you talked about Spurs before there, and like 
I just can't believe they're as far up the table as what they are. Like, they're so poor to watch. Like, I'm just so glad I'm not a Spurs fan. But, you know, like, every I, I do, I, like, I pinch myself and I'm like, how are they where they are in the table? They're so poor, yeah. you know? Second um, second half performances. You know, they've, they've been doing good in second halves of games, but just dreadful in the first half. I mean, you mentioned it's tough to be a Spurs fan. Uh, Gav was just on doing his weekly show with our sponsors, bookmakers.com. I recommend you guys go and check it out. There's a few regular names I know from the chat in here that we're watching along during the show, but he was on with, uh, Joe Wayman, the Leeds fan and his regular, uh, buddy, the daily hotspur guy. And the Spurs fan is completely done with Antonio Conte. <laughs> Like completely yeah. done with them. He wants them gone immediately. He doesn't think they're going to beat Nottingham Forest on the weekend. Like it's, it's tough times in Spurs land. So yeah, like if we can go out there and just like a routine two nil, where Bournemouth doesn't have a sniff of our goal, and it just looks like oh, because like the Spurs fan on Gav's bookmaker show, he was like, I I I think you guys are fourth place. Like, not even a question now. <laughs> like, and it looks that way. You know, like the the trade wins, like the momentum, everything about it. Like we're getting players back. We've got the harmony in the club. Like. Even behind the scenes, like the sale talk circus is kind of quieting down. Like I saw somebody mention today that like Mike Gordon's back in his regular day-to-day role at the club. Like things are falling back into place for us for the run-in at the right time. Our team's getting healthy. Like I haven't even met like Tiago at some point is going to just be an option <laughs> for us. What a great option for us to have. And yeah, I, I, I think it's just a decent, solid performance. Like another clean sheet, six clean sheets in a row would be a statement, like a statement yeah. in the league. And kudos to anybody that took out a bet on Allison to win Golden Gloves this season, you know, <laughs> like 15 games into the season when it didn't look like we'd ever keep another clean sheet ever again. Uh, but I mean, that brings us on to what would normally be the big one, but I'm having a tough time being optimistic about going to Madrid and overturning a three-goal deficit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, Feels like we might have just used too much of our ammunition on Manchester United and could have saved some of that for a, a trip to Spain. Yeah, I think is, like is it a bridge too far? Or I mean, I, I'm I am not gonna sit here and be like, oh yeah, we'll we'll turn them over. Like I don't have that much balls about me to to sit here and say that. I mean, I think um, it's interesting. Like I, I know you you mentioned before there about like the Barcelona game, and obviously I know that it was at Anfield um, which is which obviously makes a massive difference but um just from like I, I I recall sort of like whenever like hearing like the the players and Matt and Klopp talk about it like afterwards like I'm nearly sure one of the things they said was was kind of like yes obviously it's a mountain to climb but like we don't need to go out and like go all guns blazing and like that's kind of what my thoughts are about like Madrid and that like yes obviously we know we need to score three goals but like Ninety minutes is a lot. Is a is a lot of time to, to score three goals, and yes, like it would be great to go out and get an early goal just to kind of like you know set the cat amongst the pigeons kind of thing. But if it doesn't come, like I don't want us to panic because it's like if it gets to like sixty sixty five minutes and it's nil nil, if we get one goal, like that like completely like changes like the tie because like I say, it'll just change the the atmosphere of the game that kind of thing. So. I think it's important that, like, and I don't think we will do this because of our experience, but I think it's important that we don't go out and just kind of go, like, hell for leather and leave ourselves, like, exposed at the back because if we can just sort of, like, 
you know, as I say, even if it was like nil nil at half time, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because there will come a point, obviously, whereby the players are going to have to throw the kitchen sink at it. And to me, like, we're better. Well, obviously, we want to be in that position when there's maybe like 20, 25 minutes to go. Whereas if we do that in the first 20, 25 minutes, we could end up being 2 0 down. They could just hit us on the break and then that's it, game over. So, yeah, it's. Um, it's one of them ones, like I say, because the deficit's so big, you kind of think, like, we've got to go out and go for it. But um, I, I kind of think, like, we, we just need to remind ourselves, like, th- there's 19 minutes here. You know, it's about sort of keeping yourself within a whisk, like, keeping yourself in the tie. And then if you do that, then you then you go for it, really. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, I don't see Carlo Ancelotti setting up his team to do anything other than sit back and soak up pressure. They've got a three-goal lead. They're at home. They've got rapid, rapid wingers to attack on the counterattack. So we all should know before the game that that's probably how it's going to play out. So odds are pretty good. We're going to have a decent amount of the ball. Like if we can keep our foot on the ball, if we can make tight, crisp, precise passes, which we have been doing the last couple of weeks, but we weren't doing in the months before that. And that was probably our biggest downfall was just basic footballing actions. Eight yard pass, wrong If we can do that right, and we can do the thing that, to me, has been the big change since we turned the corner, as I like to say, against Everton, is that we're creating the pressure forward with our with our forward players because they're you know playing more minutes. Darwin, Cody, more minutes in the team, settled you know midfield. But you when you get that ball where the other team just panics and they lump it over the top, and because again I have to watch all but two of the Liverpool games I've watched I've watched on TV. So the ball goes off of the screen and I just go, that's our ball. That has to be our ball. <laughs> when they just, you know, when like when when we're herring Manchester United's defense and you just see Varane just hook the ball high into the sky towards the halfway line, that's our ball. Ibu or Virgil or whoever it is has to be there to win that ball because if you win that ball with a good smart header and then you collect that ball, you turn around and you're right on the attack again. And that's how you you build you just build and build and build and wave and wave and wave of attack. I mean, obviously it goes without saying when you're down three goals to nothing, the first goal is important, but I think if we get, if we get one, regardless of when it comes, I think Klopp lets the shackles off him for five, 10 minutes. And we try to blitz him. We try to just go because, you know, you get them on their heels, you get the crowd a little, you know, Oh boy, you know, Liverpool have scored one, but we're still feeling good. And then you go and you just go bang, bang, bang. So that's, but I I agree what you say. We're not going to come out of the traps firing like all guns blazing because that would just be suicidal because if they get one or two goals before the half, I mean, you may as well get the early flight home or, you know, go out and get yourself some tapas or something like that if you're (laughs) making the trip down to Madrid. So, um, I mean, I think that's pretty good. I, again, I could do another three hours just going through in minute detail, the United game. I I can't recommend (laughs) it enough. Like if you have the ability to, have the time and you have uh, the streaming service to watch the whole game over again, do yourself a favor and watch the whole <laughs> game over again. It's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely brilliant to watch, especially the second half. I think I've watched the second yeah. half seven times. It's, <laughs> it's so, it's so, so good. It's, I absolutely love it. Uh, and if you're going to check that out, there's a few other things you guys can check out. Uh, our sponsors, bookmakers.com. So Gav was over there, he finished up about 10 or 15 minutes before we came online tonight doing his weekly show, uh, previewing the games going into the weekend. I mean, he had just Joe on with him. And if you don't love Joe, the Leeds fan, 
come on, you're doing something wrong. I mean, Joe's Joe's uh, Joe's hilarious and fantastic. Uh, always good people he's got on that show. So give them a follow on YouTube. Head over to bookmakers.com if you're into a little bit of the sports gambling. You want to get the best odds on maybe another 9-0 Liverpool or a Mo Salah hat trick <laughs> this weekend. Bookmakers.com. They've got all the odds for all those good things. Allison to win the Golden Gloves this year, perhaps. Go and lump that one on there. I I don't gamble. I'd be interested to see what the odds are of Liverpool going through against Real Madrid. I'd imagine you'd, you'd get some pretty decent odds on that. Uh, but coming up from us here on the Trippers tomorrow night, uh, Kev is away. So Chris and Luke are hosting the Friday forecast show. They've got, oh shit, I wrote it down here somewhere. They're going to be going through the weekend's actions. They've got a, let me stall for time, vamp, Matt, vamp. Uh, he's got a Bournemouth and a Spurs fan uh, on with uh, Chris Brack and Luke tomorrow on the Friday show. And then I'll be on full-time Reds on Saturday. I have no idea who I'm doing that with, but hopefully it's a jubilant one. Fat back four again on Sunday, and we roll on in through to the international break where I don't know what we're going to do. So if anybody wants to build a quiz, feel free. You can build your own quizzes because quiz building is hard. Um and then, yeah, the final thing, the most important thing here at the LFC Day Trippers, uh, in the description for the show on YouTube or in your podcast, you'll find the link to our charity partner, which is uh, 12 women from Dublin GAA Club that are running the Dublin City Marathon, raising money for breast cancer awareness. We're partnering with them to help them out, try to get in these 12 women to their fundraising target. If you feel like donating, if you have the ability to donate, if you know somebody that might like to donate, head on over to the GoFundMe page. The fives and the tens will get there in the end. They always add up. The day trippers hit their fundraising targets. That's one thing about this channel that is absolutely brilliant is when Gav sets his mind to a charity fundraising target, he ends up hitting it in the end. So help us out with that. And then we don't have to badger you about it every week. So, you know, if you want us to stop talking about it, just go and donate and it'll all go away. And these women will get to run their marathon. It'll all be lovely. But if you can't donate because of the times and cost of living and all the joys of not being born a billionaire, don't buy a football club, share it into your social media account. You never know who it'll get to that uh, it'll hit somebody and it'll affect them because you don't know who this disease affects in your life. You really, really don't because it's probably pretty much everybody when it comes down to it. So, uh, Glenn, before we get out of here, well, when's your next game? You seem like you've got pretty good access to tickets, you lucky bastard. <laughs> um, I haven't got anything planned at the minute. Um so yeah, it's uh, for myself. Like it's uh, it's usually just kind of like ad hoc, really. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping I'll get over between now and the end of the season, but um, nothing penciled in the diary just yet. Yeah, nice. Just have to watch the game on the television like the rest of us, eh? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's all good. Uh, I appreciate you joining me, Glenn. Uh, this has been the viewers' voice from us here at the LC Day Trippers. If you haven't hit the like button already, please hit it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times on your way out because it'll still end up as a thumbs up even if you hit it an odd number of times. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you all around. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network.